People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. I mean, that's the ironic thing, right? This is like $200,000 that he didn't pay, and he'll pay that more than that in, in lawyer fees. Easy. He might have already paid that. <laughs> he might already be at the 200K threshold because you know he's not going to get a lawyer that's down the street. Mom and pop better call Saul. Like, he's going to get a high-powered <laughs> lawyer. We've seen what happens sometimes, though, with lawsuits. One person comes forward in a Me Too movement, and then we see a lot of different cases. Well, oh my God, that would be fascinating. If there are some disgruntled other players and they see, okay, Nerlens took that first step, I'm curious to see if if anybody joins in. Wow, that's a- I'm just saying, I've seen it happen before. Uh, further proof that we live in the absolute worst simulation of reality ever. Sunday night, fight fans were in the competition of their lives to find a free stream of the very hyped and overwhelming letdown of an exhibition fight between YouTuber Jake Paul and former MMA fighter Tyron Woodley. Oh, my gosh. For those that weren't willing to shell out the $60 $60 or hunt through the dark (laughs) web of cancer sites for a free feed, Paul... Air quotes, one, in a split decision, the likelihood of a rematch is uncertain at this point because, man, ugh. Now I watch the fight and my initial thoughts were, oh, God, why are we doing this to ourselves? Renee, I know you watched the fight. I know we all watched the fight. I know against our better judgment, we all watched the fight. What are your thoughts? Okay, so I have so many thoughts, but my first thought is I have to confess, I was the group that bought the $60 and I watched the fight. And what my thoughts are is that, boy, oh boy, do those Paul brothers know how to put on a show. Like, that's just my overwhelming thoughts watching it because everyone knows that people don't want to like the Paul brothers. People are actually, a lot of people are actually watching to see one of the Paul brothers get knocked out. However, however, the Paul brothers are making a fortune along the way. Like, so along the way of everyone rooting against them or hating them or whatever the case may be, they have fans too, because Cleveland packed the house. So obviously, no, there's a big following there too, 17 million followers. Some people got to love them. But I think what they're doing so well is that every fight, Everyone says the same thing, Jason, that you said. I'm not watching the next one. I'm done with it. I heard that after the last fight. And here we are again talking about this fight. So what I'll say to that is everybody better calm down about that they're not watching anymore. Because as soon as he picks somebody interesting, that's like, oh, because we were all very interested in this MMA fighter. A lot of people thought Woodley was the guy to do it. This is the guy. He's trained. This is a dangerous guy. As my... uh, as my good friend uh, Jamel Johnson, nonprofit comic on Twitter and elsewhere, uh, tweeted. <laughs> uh, so basically, like the Paul brothers have run out of the different version of the guy who looks like he f- can fight but can't, and that was what happened with Tyron Woodley. Uh, this is so. This is a fourth in a row. F- 
fight for Jake Paul, fourth win, the former fight against uh, Ben Askren, the former very, very sad fight against Heath Robinson, and then TKO versus uh, Ali Esan Gibb. I got to say, a um, couple of just random thoughts. First, man, I was like, Woodley, man, you got to throw a punch. I think he threw six oh. punches in the first round, and I was just He was like, scared this- of going viral the wrong way. You could just he was- see it. You're exactly right. He didn't want the Nate Robinson thing to happen to him. He didn't want to see the the Lion King. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, oh my God. With him in it. He didn't want to be he, a meme. And I, I mean, I agree. But here's the thing. Let me tell you, if I got knocked out by Jake Paul or Logan Paul, either one, and there were memes of me, uh-huh. you could... There would be, of course, copious video evidence, millions of witnesses. I would say that's not me. I don't care how how hard the evidence is. I would deny it to my grave that that was me. (laughs) I would just become another person and say that never happened. You could say that's Manny Pacquiao. You could say that was Manny Pacquiao and people might believe you. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, man, so I'm watching the fight and Logan all of a sudden appears at the desk and is doing a, doing an interview in his, you know, street clothes, sunglasses, I think. And <laughs> I was like, hold on a second. Does this dude have to fight? Like, why is he, street- oh is he, doesn't he have God. to warm up? Isn't he fighting like right now? And they're then I was two like, different oh, that's people. Right. Oh, that's right. Logan Paul and Jake Paul, they're two. And they do look extremely similar. That was, that was my bad. And th- I, they you know, brothers. I just feel like, is this rigged? Like Woodley rocked him at one point. Woodley rocked him. And it was Zach because he was saved by the bell. Uh, Like I thought (laughs) he was going to go. Woodley could have pressed it a little bit, but you're right again. Like he was afraid of getting touched, but man, it is Jason in sports. We have a saying and, and I know it's in entertainment as well. Scared money don't make no money. That's right. Like you can't run in from the sports. Smoke. You can you can never be scared in sports. You, it doesn't work. Like it doesn't matter what you're scared of. If you're scared of getting crossed over and being embarrassed, you are going to get crossed over and be embarrassed because you're going to be playing a certain way. If you're scared of missing the big game winner, you will miss the big game winner. You have to crave that. You have to want that moment. It's like the Mamba mentality. That's they gave it a name. So when I saw Woodley with his Dukes up. And his stance. Come on. I, I when I saw my that head stance, dipped. I said, my chin hit okay, my chest. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We all knew what we were looking at. We was looking at scared money. And and yeah. like not saying he's scared of Jake Paul. He was scared of the internet. We are the problem of what You'd he's scared to, of. We are the problem. Think about what happened to Nate Robinson. It wasn't that one day viral moment. Nate Robinson just kept going and going and the memes kept going. And so when Woodley had his dukes up, all he wanted was to not be Nate Robinson. And you can't win like that. I'm sorry. You just can't win with scare money. He said after the fight, quote, I feel like I won the fight. He did not. I I wish that was true. He won one round, maybe two, but definitely did not win the fight. Uh, Continuing the quote. I feel like Jake is a great opponent. I came in great shape because I knew he could take a punch. No disrespect. Uh, but fuck the Fury fight. Jake and I can run it back. Nobody is going to sell a pay-per-view like we did. Uh, I, You know, uh, so he's uh, referencing Tommy Fury, uh, the very handsome Tommy Fury, brother of heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. Um, I got to say, I think that this is the purest form 
of boxing. The sport of boxing for a long time. Listen, there's great craftsmen, uh, craftspeople in the in the in the boxing game, and uh, obviously they give their heart and soul and their blood and their bodies to it. Um, but the various belts, the various leagues have always been kind of a joke ever since the people started uniting the belts and the various machinations that different promoters went through to make that happen, to build this excitement. It's we, everyone knows what it is and it's kind of a sham. It's, it's a structure that is based on giving people three fights of the same fight, like the first fight and then two sequels if it hits. This is the purest version of what it is. It's, we want to see someone we hate get knocked out. That's it. And and they did a great job of picking the fighter this time because even if you're not following this, you understood what the branding was. Oh, this is the first real threat that they faced. I love that that's the way they framed it. Even yeah. uh, Jake before the fight said, oh, this is the toughest channel. This guy can really. It is a tacit acknowledgement that all those previous fights were absolute horseshit. None, like none of them were ever a threat. Yeah, is the is the subtext. This one is the one where all of a sudden I could get I could get knocked out, and then as soon as the bell rung, it was obvious that that was not going to be the case, and they got it us was- again. But it is the purest version of of this sport, which is I want to see somebody get knocked out, and uh, preferably this person that I don't like that annoys me. So, Jason, having said that, yeah. Will we continue to watch until he gets knocked out or and after? Because it's like, yeah, everyone's waiting to watch to see when he gets knocked out. I think that this is there's no end date to this this Paul train in a sense of let's say he gets knocked out. Right. He gets knocked out. Everybody's excited. He's doing his comeback fight like there's that's just how it works. So at the end of the day, you mentioned something. I don't Tommy Fury. I was surprised at how handsome he was. I was like <laughs> casually watching. I came in late on the fight. You know, I didn't watch the undercards, but I came in late when they were doing a recap and I heard all this noise about uh, Tyson Fury's brother. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting like storyline there. Yeah. And then they showed his brother and I was like, oh, wow, his brother looks like he could be a Calvin Klein model. And then I found out that he was on one of those Paradise of Love shows, maybe, or I don't know if Caroline, one of our producers, was joking. But he looks like he could be on one. I'm going to th- like just, I've seen people go viral for less reasons. I don't know if y'all remember Prison Bay, who now is a full-time <laughs> real model, making real money. If Tommy Fury keeps going a lot, like, I think that that fight would sell. Tommy Fury and Jake Paul, where it would be like, they would sell other things too. Like, I I don't know. I'm just saying, I know Woodley wants that second fight. I don't know if it's worth a tattoo, Woodley. I'm just saying, don't do it. That's the crazy. That's the crazy. Don't do it. You can't get a tattoo. Don't do it. You can't. Like, that's the YouTube games. My friend Van Lathan tweeted, I swear on my ancestors, I won't watch the next one. Bookmark this. I feel like a lot of us feel the same way. And I, I will say to all of us, as I texted to Van, y'all lying. You'll watch. <laughs> Facts. Jason, we have some yes. spicy NBA news oh, to yeah. talk about. And it's not a trade, a super team, or a new documentary where a former player reveals something we didn't know before. New Orleans Noel is currently suing super agent Rich Paul, who reps LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, my Hawks superstar Trey Young, all of those big talents. But in a lawsuit, 
Noel alleges that Rich Paul gave him poor advice to turn down a $70 million contract. Oh, my gosh. What? $70 million when he played for the Mavs and after his thumb injury, which tanked his season. Now, he's alleging that Paul lost interest in Noel and didn't propose any ideas on how to secure a long-term contract. All this to say, the business of basketball can be a bit messy at times, but Jason, do we think that a player can even win a case like this? I mean, we know that there's a case out there, but there's a lot of implications about this case. I just understand, you know, from my personal experience, you always want to be A1 on an agent's list. Like, you know, yeah. everyone knows in agencies there's a pecking order. You know their favorites. You know the people that get first right to refusal of the deals. Yes. That's exactly those people, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Trey Young. But we're talking about contracts and attention. He, he feels like he said they lost interest. Is there something there with a case Man. like this? It's, it's interesting because uh, knowing a little bit about the agent's world, there's basically two routes you can go. You can go with a juggernaut like CAA or UTA or WME. You know, any of the other, but yeah, WME, any of the big ones, or you can go with a more boutique uh, agency and th there's pros and cons of both. If you're with this behemoth, there is a lot of synergy from inside the agency because your agents say, oh, uh, we also rep so-and-so over here and they're working on this project that'd be great for you and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you can, uh, you can find opportunities that way. And theoretically, at least, that you can leverage the weight of this agency that, that will help you in deals. The downside is, as you noted, you can get lost in the shuffle. At the more boutique agency, your thought is, I'm getting that personal attention. I'm getting that attention all the time. I'm going to be on a first name basis with my agent who's going to be my kind of like my friend. And they're going to call me like when my baby is born, all this other stuff. This is an interesting case. And like, uh, uh, who knows where it's going to go? I am not a lawyer. But this is an interesting case because usually when you see athletes see their agent, it is some version of my agent ripped me off. My agent yeah. took money that they weren't supposed to or went and, you know, opened a credit card that they weren't supposed to, you know. Darrell Revis is a good example of this. Sued his agent and because the allegation was agent ripped them off. This is different because you're basically, I, you're basically just saying they, you know, clutch stopped trying hard. And that's a hard thing to prove. I would imagine yeah. what they do is they would subpoena, you know, text message records and emails and say, okay, Look at a similar uh, player to Nerlens and look at the amount and in a similar situation coming up on free agency, needing to opt out, looking for a big payday, uh, same kind of stats. And look at the amount of communication that the agent did between teams, uh, calling back teams, emails back and forth. And look at, by comparison, uh, Clutch's engagement with Nerlens. Yeah. Um, that's just a hard thing to prove unless it's just an absolute like blowout like for sure clutch didn't like return any calls now that is one of the allegations that um basically nerland's heard you know directly from teams like oh we've been trying to contact you and we haven't been yeah. able to reach your reps that's um, the smoking th gun to me yeah that is and again, this is not to say that that is not the case, that Clutch wasn't icing him out for whatever reason. I just think it's really hard to prove. And I don't know, like, what do you think? This seems to me like 
100% they settle this. They, they, they'll come yeah, up with a number. No nobody wants to yeah. go, nobody wants to go to discovery and have their emails and stuff out there. But like, what do you do? What does this mean for agents going forward? Like, this seems like it could open the floodgates to a, to a really interesting kind of lawsuit. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I agree when I say it's a smoking gun, I think that I don't really see a leg for Netherlands to stand on because to my knowledge, everyone right. kind of knows agents lie, agencies lie. I mean, no offense, <laughs> shouts to my agents oh! out there, but everyone knows that, like, even in recruiting yep. in college, I talked about it, coaches are going to tell you everything you want to hear when they're recruiting you. Like, that's just, duh. Like, we know that they're going to tell you, like, they're recruiting you. They're trying to court you. So there's a complaint that says that Paul – Knowing that Noel was represented by his former representation, Walters, in 2017, he had told Nerlens Noel that he was a hundred million dollar man. Like that quote, was weird. Hundred million dollar man. That was bizarre to have in the complaint. So the so it, <laughs> basically, it states that like uh, that Clutch lured him away from Happy Walters, his previous yes. agent, and this happened like at a, at Ben Simmons' birthday party, and it, uh, as you in just said, 2017. Said, that's a weird thing to put in there because, like, that's on Nerlens. That's on you. You left your agent. Like, I'm sorry. That's you what did I'm that. saying. But I thought why that, that was a normal that? thing. Like, of course, the agent. That's what I'm trying to say. I thought that <laughs> it was a normal thing that agents lie. He told you you were a hundred million dollar man, and you believed him. Like yeah, that. That was. I mean, like, yeah, you got to have that self confidence and all of that, but you also have to have some realization about yourself. So that's why I'm like, I'm really shocked because I just thought that, of course, when people are recruiting you, like, they're going to make it sound appealing. And when you have an agent and you want something done, the agent is usually the middleman. So if I'm like, yeah, let's hear what Team X has to say. And it's been three days and I don't hear anything from my agent. And then I find out that Team X is trying to get a hold of my agent and I'm trying to get a hold of my agent. That's where now I do think you have a leg to stand on because busy or not, do agents have a certain responsibility to get back to people in a certain time frame? I think that that needs to be the yeah. question. Like, I don't care if you're busy, then get an assistant. But if there really were teams trying to make a deal with me and my agent is not getting back to nobody. Yeah, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. It's interesting because you mentioned you talk about like having some self-realization. And I think like, you know, having engaged with elite athletes some over the course of my career, one of the things that that drives them is, is like this insane confidence. You there's no way to even make the league without it because everyone in your life is being like, you can't do that. Don't do that. Do the real yeah. thing. You go, what do you come on? Like uh, that's a you know like you're that's a pipe dream like you gotta go to college you gotta do this and then and you gotta really believe in yourself to to make it to step one forget step a hundred yes. to make it all of which is to say man advice is important having the right people because what Nerlens needed in this situation and he he opted out of a contract that with the Mavericks turned it down that would have paid him seventy million over four years tore a ligament in his thumb, uh, ended up, well, first ended up on a single year, $4.1 million qualifying offer, then tore a ligament in his thumb and lost out on that money. Ended up uh, signing for almost $4 million a year uh, of which he had to pay 4% to clutch. Now, somebody in Nerlens's camp needed to be able to get through to him and say hundred million. I don't know, man, that's, that sounds like a lot. That's like almost, it's not Rudy Go Get Bear Bunny, but it's in that realm. Like, 
you're not that. That's important. And I don't, and I clearly, I don't think Nerland's had that because man, 70 million is a lot to turn down. And listen, I understand that the difference between a hundred million and 70 million in the words of Dave Chappelle is a staggering $30 million, but 70 million on the table is still $70 million on the table. And we saw this with, with Dennis Schroeder who recently lost out on something like $75 million in a bid to, to sign a big, big free agent contract. Um, this is, I, I, I wish New Orleans well, but I don't think he's going to win this. I think there'll be a settlement. And I think it's interesting that this, suit is perhaps a response to uh, Clutch's initial lawsuit against him, which was filed with the union, claims that Noel did not sign his $200,000 commission, which he owed to Clutch, for the one-year $5 million deal that he signed uh, with the New York Knicks this uh, previous season. And now that, and, and I'm just like reading into this, smacks of pettiness from Noel, who's like, yeah. y'all advised me. I missed out on seventy million dollars to yeah, say nothing of the hundred million dollars that you that you promised that I was worth at the dinner at Ben Sibbs birthday party, and now y'all want two hundred thousand dollars on the five million dollar deal that is all I could get. I'm not paying. Um, and I think something that people need to realize is that Noel had a combined salary of twelve point nine million. The previous four seasons. So you got to think about this. The previous four seasons, he's accumulated $12.9 million in salary. Turns down a $70 million contract. I mean, this is, that's why, like, people have to understand that this is not, this is not just like, oh, he's fine. He has a gazillion other contracts. Right. That, no, he he has $12.9 million. I know for regular folks like us, it's like, well, that's a lot of money. But their lifestyles are different. And so yes. to turn down 70 and you only had made 12.9, that's a big blow, Dennis Schroeder. That's a big blow because, because these players, that that's life-changing generational money that is now just with, one year, one split decision, now you don't have it. And not to say he won't get that contract, but that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a, that's, you know, one of the things this really underlines is like he, when we talk about these deals and, you know, the tremendous, obviously free agency generates tremendous excitement and interest from fans around the league and it's fun to follow and the money that gets bandied around is crazy. It's hard to wrap your mind around. But this is a real, like, this is a real gamble for for guys like this. It's yeah. it's uh, and it's not often with the way the money has moved recently because of the TV deal and the exploding amounts of money and deals that, that players have signed recently. It it may seem like players don't lose this bet often, but they do lose it. Nerlens lost it. Uh, Dennis Schroeder lost it recently, yeah. and it's man seventy. I would be mad too. I would be so, really you know, mad. an agent to talk about this. You know how we were talking about like this does happen often. Um, yeah. You don't see it like and to the point that everyone kind of understands that agents lie. There was some agent reactions around the league that said it is wild to see all of this aired out. And this is another veteran agent talking. Um, they said. It happens all the time, but it never becomes public. It happens around the draft. Even guys will say anything to convince yes. these players to come to them. 
Guys will say anything. Like, I thought that that was a known thing that people will tell you anything (laughs) to get you to sign. Like, so I guess the moral of this story is you need a better team around you, to your point, Jason. People that aren't yes men, who people who aren't going to just tell you everything you want to hear. Charles Barkley talked about it. He said he told Michael Jordan that you got way too many yes men around you and not enough people telling you the truth. And I think that that's hard. How do you tell somebody that is your money maker you know they say don't bite the hand that feeds you so a lot of people might take that in a sense of well he's the hand that feeds us what do you do like what do you do obviously you have you have an agent you have a manager you're looking at deals you've played overseas you've got various other uh you know income streams going you're on television you're on this hit you've got offers coming in i'm sure it's not easy sometimes you know when i have a a thing where my manager is bringing me something and I'm not sure what to do. Like I'll talk to, I'll talk to my mom. I'll talk to my brother. I'll talk to my girlfriend. Who do you talk to when you're like, God, I don't know. This is seems good, but also I don't know. Yo, I talked to Montgomery and co. And that's what I, I call like <laughs> my, that's, that's like my snook, which I talked to my parents um, because mm-hmm. they have very, you know, they've been in a lot of different businesses, own businesses, entrepreneurs, and I talked to my fiance and then I have like a group of nucleus, my manager, my agent. I just bounce it off of people because yeah. like, I, you know, like as the talent, you know this, you make the final decision. But I want to hear all the pros and cons from everyone Same. around me. Like, what's good about this situation? What's not? Oh, OK, it has a big platform, but it's a lot of time consuming. So do I want to do that? You know, like so I weigh it out. I I don't I don't play those reindeer games of I don't ever listen to just one person. Not, not one person can sell me on a thing. Like I need multiple people selling me on it, and then I got to sell myself on it. He let them tell him that he was a hundred million dollar man, and he believed it. That's the toughest part for me. It's like my heart goes out to him because it's like, no, boo boo, yeah. you can't believe that. I I should mention here one of the more interesting notes in player agent relationships and lost money is Bill Duffy and Anthony Carter. I did, this is the only time I've seen a situation like this where uh, Bill Duffy, big time agent, uh, was repping Anthony Carter and he just flat out clerical error forgot to exercise Carter's player option before the 2002-03 season. You have to have that paperwork in at a certain date and he just flat out missed it. Um, and he missed out on about $3 million and Bill Duffy said, without even having to go to court or anything, I'm a, I'm a pay you back. It's on me. That was my fault. I will pay you back the money. And it took him years to pay back the money, but he did pay. That's a stand up guy. And you know, honestly, there's no, like that's, it's crazy to commend people for something they should have done, but yeah, right. In in this world of entertainment that we live in, Jason, the fact that it, this is an outlier is hilarious because this is exactly what, yeah, Bill, you messed up and you should pay the man what he's owed. But we just know that in sports and in entertainment, the word fair is not really a real thing. Like anytime somebody says the word fair in sports, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like even when, when we talked about the Clippers, like, and they're like, oh yeah, but Kawhi and Paul George wasn't practicing every day like everyone else. I'm like, duh, who cares? What? I had player, I had teammates that... I knew weren't going to practice. And if they were practicing in between a game, two games and three days, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm asking them, like, 
yo, why are you practicing? Like, are we learning a new play today? Like, what's good? Like, no, there's nothing fair in entertainment and sports. So the fact yeah. that Bill Duffy did something that is stand up and fair, it's like, wow, amazing. I'll read a quote from the uh, from the litigation, and this is on sportsagentblog.com. Uh, uh, Noel stated in the litigation that he had terminated his relationship with Paul and Clutch Sports in December 2020 uh, after, quote, learning that Paul had, quote, a history of mismanaging and ignoring other clients and costing them significant money. I'm not sure that that necessarily is the case. This is uh, there have been other clients that aren't the Anthony Davises, the LeBrons, the Trey Youngs. There's Norris Cole, Shabazz Muhammad. Um, but this is why this is going to get settled because, listen, as big as sports is, it's still a relationship business. and For sure. the, And the face you put forward, the brand you put forward is really important, especially in the agent game where you're trying to get people to sign with you. I'm sure that a part of Bill Duffy's formulation, aside from this was my fault, I'm going to be a stand-up person, was – if I want to keep my reputation intact and say that if I fuck up, I will own it. That's important to continuing to be an agent in this space. Then I have to do this because it's relationship business. And, um, I'm sure that, you know, you know, clutch wants to keep going in this, in this game. And Nerlens Noel is not anywhere near, uh, ending his career. Right. Uh, they want to preserve the, their, the relationship that they have with other people and not burn, uh, any other bridges. And I'm sure that they will settle this before any more Wave the 200 K co- compensation fee. And I think that's going to be pretty much done. I just, I think that's what has to happen. I mean, that's the ironic thing, right? It's like $200,000 that he didn't pay and he'll pay that more than that in, in lawyer fees. Easy. He might have already paid that. To bring, <laughs> the fact that we know about the lawsuit means that there were things fouled. There was yeah. steps taken. So he might already be at the 200K threshold because you know he's not going to get a lawyer that's down the street. Mom and pop better call Saul. Like he's going to get a high powered <laughs> lawyer. He's going to have everything he needs. So yeah, they're just going to have to waive that fee and keep it moving. But to that point, we've seen what happens sometimes though with lawsuits. One person comes forward in a Me Too movement, and then we see a lot of different cases. Well, oh my God, that would be fascinating. If there are some disgruntled other players and they see, okay, Nerlens took that first step, I'm curious to see if if anybody joins in. And if so, then wow, we know it's a- going to be settled. I'm just saying, I've seen it happen before. Ray, there's some big uh, college basketball news with pretty major implications in the way small programs compete with blue chip schools. Monty Bates, five-star high school shooting guard and ESPN overall number three basketball player in the country, has committed to play for the University of Memphis to play under head coach, former NBA star Penny Hardaway. Uh, it has uh, sent a clear message that the recruiting process under the recent name and image likeness rules are in flux. Things are changing. Uh, to talk about this more in detail, we're joined by New York Times bestselling author and Yahoo Sports columnist, the great Dan Wetzel. Dan, welcome to Take Line. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. No, we're excited to have you, Dan. And, you know, typically 
in my era, the highly touted recruits, like they never really committed to the lesser known programs before. You know, can you give us almost an insight on how things are changing, why they're changing with Imani Bates committing to a Memphis? We know that the name is there with Penny Hardaway as the coach, but this really captured college basketball's attention right now. Well, first off, you would have made a good buck back in the day. You made it, you would have made a pretty penny. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That this Don't didn't remind happen. me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. But you would have worked, you were worth some good dollars. I'm sure there were a few autograph sessions you would have liked to sign yeah. uh, if just that. Um, two prongs. One is the way basketball players can get to the NBA now. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got LaMelo Ball, NBA rookie of the year. He goes to Australia, plays yeah, as a professional yeah. league. He doesn't go. He doesn't, he doesn't do college. He doesn't even do a senior year of high school. I don't think. I think he's, he went to Australia. Um, you look at the, uh, you know, uh, Giannis, Luca, uh, you know, Joker out in D, in Denver. These are all foreign players. They can go college basketball. None of these guys are, are getting to the league. You can get to the league in a different manner. Um, so, what are you looking for uh, now? There's still got. There's still plenty of players. Who are going to sit there and say, "I want to, I want to be part of this family. I want to play for the the name on the front of the jersey, right? I want to, I want to win the national championship. I want to go to Old State. You, that's where my parents went. Whatever, that's fine. I want to play March Madness. There's others who are just like, "Get me to the league. I want to get to the league. This, I have right. generational wealth on the line here. I'm not messing this up. I'm getting what is the best route." And then what you have is, and this isn't a new necessarily a new concept, but the you know, you have the programs that kind of try to give you both. So John Calipari at, at Kentucky and when he was at Memphis was kind of the first to just say, I'm going to care about both the name on the front and the back. Mm. I'm here to develop you. He would always say, yeah. if I don't get this kid into the first round, I failed. And that's as important to me as winning the national championship. And it would drive fans crazy. But, you know, he's looking at and saying, if, I, if Anthony Davis is not the number one pick after I get him for a year, what did I do wrong? Right? Like I have failed my promise to his family and, and to him. And so the, the ideal is you get Anthony Davis number one and you win the national championship, but it's hard to do. So what Penny Hardaway is selling is that same concept. I will develop you. He's got Larry Brown, Hall of Fame coach, NBA champion, all that is his top assistant. He's got Rashid Wallace on the staff, you know, four-time all-star NBA player. He got a great developmental guy from the G League, which is really what they're competing with on these top talent. Don't go to the G League and just play basketball. Come here. I got I got that guy who can work with you on skills and work with you in the gym. Um, you can play for Memphis. We can win a national championship. But now you're also getting paid because we have in Memphis, Tennessee, the Memphis Tigers are huge. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're the two biggest teams in Memphis are the Grizzlies and the Tigers, and they will fill out their stadium. And there are plenty of uh, not maybe we don't know all the deals that these guys got and Amani got. It could be FedEx, which is located right. there. It could be the pizza shop down the street. Um, there is money to be made because yep. you can just be Amani Bates and cash in. So now you have that combo. So you have yeah. a kid sitting there saying, I want to be a pro. Well, here's all these pro coaches, yeah. right? But I also want to play college hoops because that looks fun. Well, here you go. But I also want to make money. Boom, Memphis. So at that point, do you really care if it's the ACC or the AAC? No. Right. That's how. That's what they're overcome. Plus, Penny Hardaway is cool. 
So <laughs> FedEx, AutoZone, there are uh, some big corporations in the area, and uh, surely with the new NIL rules that uh, that played a role. I, I guess it seems like college basketball is it's in flux, but basically it's going to be fine. We're going to see a strengthening of some different schools depending on uh, what business opportunities are available for players in the area. But uh, what is going to be the fallout for this? Like, for instance, uh, you mentioned the G League. J- Jalen Green came from G League Ignite. I would imagine if you're a, not a, if you're one of the kind of like lower level G League teams, you're wondering like what this means. So, so what does this mean in the college basketball landscape? Like, or, or, what does this mean for player movement? What does this mean for some of the big, uh, the big programs? Well, so college basketball at that elite level, yeah, they were losing some players to the to the G League. Um, now, previously, before they had the age limit, they were losing them straight to the NBA, right? Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. LeBron James, yeah. these guys never. Uh, never, never played. Uh, so the, if you're college basketball, you want, this is always my argument on this. Like, why do you, why would you push these guys away? You right. want them, you want them to play basketball. Like I, I remember when LeBron James, the senior in high school, there's an NCAA investigator who told me like, man, I have got a file on this guy. There's this, there's remember, remember he had the free hump. He had the Hummer truck, the Hummer. That was oh, the, yeah, only, yeah, the only definitely. mark on his, on his, got real, the Hummer truck. Yeah. And so he was never going to be able to, I was like, why would you not want, everyone in the world wants to be in business with LeBron James except you guys. Like, you know, and, and it, you know, the deal was like the, the car dealer was like, yeah, just pay me in a couple months. You, I, I read the paper. You're going to make, yeah. I think you're good for it. Right. Yeah. I, but they're like, everyone flipped out and he got suspended from his high school for like, he couldn't, he actually got suspended for a game. Now, you know, he's selling out stadiums all over Ohio, but it's like, you can't have this truck. And it, the, the car dealer is like, pay me in May. This kid's going to be worth it. I don't care about the March payment. Pay me in May. You know how much publicity I'm getting having LeBron James drive around in my Hummer truck. This is phenomenal. Right? So, um, there was, there was all that. Um, I don't know what the fallout is. I don't know how that it, it changes. It, it yeah. presumably keeps more kids going to college. First of all, it's just fair. Like right. nothing else, yeah. right? right? And look, yeah. Amani Bates was going to the G League if it wasn't for name, image, and likeness. So college basketball should be happy that this kid's there and people are going to want to watch Memphis on TV. Their ratings will be higher. Um, the players matter. You can tell that. Uh, uh, take Memphis. It, we'll just take Memphis. When Derrick Rose was at Memphis right? and John Calipari's at Memphis, all those guys, Derrick Rose's team, they sold out every game. And yeah. their TV ratings, people watched all over the country because they wanted to watch Derrick Rose play basketball and how good Memphis was. When they weren't as good, like a few years ago, the stadium was half full. People didn't care to watch all that. The players matter. And so getting star players for a sports league, um, only college sports could somehow look at it as a negative. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't want the best people here. Right. Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? You know, it's crazy because you talked about it. You said he would have probably went to the G League had name, image, and likeness not been here. We know that the the G League team, the Ignite, has made their presence felt having the, some top 10 recruits in there. What do you think the value is, though? Because I talk about this all the time. We, I have a saying, like, everything goes back to Connecticut. I always say going to UConn mm-hmm. was one of the best decisions I made, not for necessarily just the basketball, but for the people that I know now, for the people that are producers. Is there 
a more of an opportunity now because name, image, and likeness are here to almost attach yourself to a school brand so that even if you go one and done, it's different than going to the G League Unite because now you have, you know, the whole UConn army behind me yeah. everywhere I go. Is there value to that for players? Tons of value. We all went, you go to college and you get so much out of it. And, and uh, I am sure you will benefit from, from being at UConn the rest of your life. Uh, not just in the friendships and all that, but yeah, attaching to the brand, to the mm. to the marketing, the, the the television ratings, right? All that. Nobody watches the G League. I mean, you got to be a really big basketball fan That's to right. watch a G League yeah. team ignite. You know, but everybody sees UConn women's basketball at one point or another in the year. I mean, I bet almost yeah. every sports fan is, at least watches a game or see they're aware of what the program is and and. And so that stuff matters. Yeah. And and I think that's great. And for those kids that want that, all of a sudden the money doesn't matter. And also, how about the extra opportunities? We, you know, we joke about the money you could have made, but what about maybe you could have had a podcast then? Maybe you could have yeah. been involved in this. Maybe you could have learned about that. Yeah. Like all the different opportunities. Um, I, I, I don't know what your situation was, but I bet, that, you know, they were they were trying to monitor where you might have interned. Or, you know, every little, every little oh, thing, yeah. there's all this whole world out there. I just, I, I'm a free market kind of person. I just can't, I, I, I just can't sit there and ever look at someone and go, you can't have a job because yeah. I don't want you to like that, you know, and that's what they were, that's what they were doing. Um, you know, if, if, if I go to UConn and I major in history, right. And I want to start a business or I want to go work at the Applebee's and it's a waiter or something. I don't have to go to the dean of the of the school and say, "Hey, can I, can I get this can job I as a dishwasher?" Yeah, <laughs> I get the, the the dean of the history department can go. Sorry, you can't wait tables on there at the Apple. You can't bust the tables because uh, we got this. I, I don't, you know, right? Of course not. Yeah. Every other kid at UConn worked, and you actually didn't get to. And there's a a benefit to that. So there's so many opportunities that are out there. I, I just, I cannot see the negative to it. Uh, I, you know, is there a negative that some fans can be like, well, all of a sudden you're going to Memphis and I don't want Memphis to be good. You should be going to North Carolina or Duke at uh, tough break, man. That's, that's the free market. Yeah. Uh, every school's got a community. I think you, you'll see recruits go to, to, to smaller schools um, and be the big, the big fish in the smaller pond. Um, because if you're the star athlete, and it, it doesn't have to be Ben's basketball. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be women's basketball. It can be any sport. I think it's something like 40, uh, I think the, the early stats were like 40, mid 40% of the um, of the deals were done by people who are not playing basketball or football. Just, oh, wow, that's you know, all wow. the different. If you're a wrestler in Iowa, you're a big deal. If you're a hockey player in Minnesota yeah. Duluth, you're a big deal. Um, I covered an Olympics. There was the goalie. The, the women's hockey team won the gold. The goalie was a sophomore in college from Minnesota Duluth. Uh, and uh, I remember thinking, like, they were going to have a parade back. Like, this 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 woman's a huge star in Duluth, Minnesota, but she couldn't make anything off of it. Wow. And it's like, what did she do wrong? Oh, other than win yeah. the gold medal. You mentioned fans being upset. I was listening to a, a Spartan podcast. Uh, before the hit and uh they were upset i mean they were you know they they were a little mad about it um imani had originally committed to michigan state um changed his mind this happens all the time but like uh you mentioned it before we hit record that he, I, he was never gone do you, 
do you have any insight into what and possibly why he changed his mind or what led to it? He is a Michigan native. He was going to go to the G League until name, image, and likeness came down, and then the combination of uh, of the coaching, the the, the, the philosophy at at, Michigan, yeah. at at Memphis, and I just I think he was I, I I was always skeptical he'd ever go to Michigan State. I think he committed to Michigan State when he thought he was going to go to the G League. And it was kind of, and then once he decided he wasn't going to go to the G League or all of a sudden college was an option, he quickly decommitted. So to me, that was a pretty clear sign that he was, he was looking to go somewhere other than Michigan State. I mean, if you, if you live in Michigan and you want everyone to cheer for you, you say you're going to play for Thomas, so, and then you just don't go, right? You don't feel <laughs> It's a much easier life. So I think that was it. I, I don't, Michigan State will be fine without Imani Bates. Imani Bates will be fine without Michigan State. No, and you know, it makes me think about Memphis to that point. So Memphis now gets this megastar, a five-star mm-hmm. player, recruit. And how is that for a first-time head coach like Penny Hardaway? You know, does that add more pressure to him? How, Like, you know, like that's a lot where now you don't get that grace period of, oh, we're just Memphis. I'm just building a program. You got this big-time five-star recruit out the gate. So is there like now a pressure applied to the Memphis program? Oh, absolutely. They got first off, they have the number one recruiting class. They have another they have they have another top five player. They have four other top hundred and fifty guys. Yeah, they I mean they should be the final four team. And I, the fans there Memphis is a great basketball program, but they've never won a national championship. They almost won it with Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember they they had the lead the last last shot by uh Mario Chalmers at Kansas forced yeah. the overtime. And sorry to Memphis fans for bringing this up. Um but Just uh, Mario Chalmers, that's the homie. What up? He yep. took care of it, man. Has a big time shot. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's enormous pressure on on Penny, and uh, but you know, he's that's that's why he take the job. Better, I think that's a better problem to have. People think oh, you yeah. should win the national championship, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's that's why you recruit those guys. And uh, I mean, look, he's got Larry Brown assisting. I think Penny will be fine. Penny will be fine. We'll see. Uh, the- we'll see. Uh, off that, the, the the movement of black coaches and the number of black coaches in basketball is is always an issue, and, and beyond just basketball, actually, it's sports writ large. Um, but with this, uh, with the NIL rules, and uh, clearly with the kind of sway that Penny Hardaway had, and and kind of attracting these recruits, um, are we going to see more of a movement towards? X players, X stars being considered for these head coaching uh, spots. It's been, you know, it, it, in sports everywhere, it's somewhat of a coaching carousel. The same names come up time and time again. Uh, Patrick Ewing only recently broke into the coaching ranks after years of saying, I want to coach, I want to coach, I want to coach. Now, Penny Hardaway, first time uh, coach, has this incredible roster. Are we going to see more of this? I think so, as long as the guys want to do it. It, it, you know, the thing about a college coach is it's a lot of work. Yeah. And, um, you have to want it when you've made a hundred plus million dollars. (laughs) I mean, these guys are, they're doing it for the love of coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Penny Hardaway did not need the job. Jawan Howard does not need the job. Patrick Ewing, uh, Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. There's, you know, so. The, the big, big name guys, you have to motivate them to sit there and say, you're going to take a job where you're going to work 60, 70 hours a week the entire year. I mean, and you are going to constantly recruit 
and your fortunes are tied by, you know, does a, which hat does a kid pick? Does Imani Bates want to go here or does he want to go there? Um, so they're very, very difficult jobs. Um, so I think that that level is a little different than is there minority opportunities? Is there are, are former players that that I mean, almost every college coach played college basketball somewhere. Um, right. But, you know, did, did people look at them when they were on the court and say, hey, this guy's a future coach. You should be my my grad assistant. But for most people, it is an enormous grind up the ladder. And it is it is relentless, and they they almost every college coach, football or basketball, will tell you the first stories of like, yeah, I made you know sixty five hundred dollars and a stipend, and I slept on my friend's couch and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. So these are hard jobs, and you've got to have the motivation to to build yourself up. Now, obviously, you come in as Penny or or Jawan, you've got a little bit more cachet, but kids, recruits don't know who those guys are. Uh, you know, maybe their parents do, maybe their coach does, but you know, you, you get old real quick when you're dealing with 16 year olds. You can read his column on Imani Bates and other sports stories at yahoo.com or check out his epic athlete series wherever books are sold. Dan, thank you for joining Take Line. Anytime. Take care, guys. It's time for Take Survivor, the game where only the strongest take wins. Joining us today, she is a producer on this podcast. She is Caroline. Rest in in peace. Caroline, how are you? Are you ready? I am so fucking ready. Let's fucking go. (laughs) To quote Renee. He is also a producer, a director. He is Jason Gallagher. Jason, how is your mustache doing? And are you ready to be a contestant on Take Survivor? I'm ready. I'm ready for winning Take Survivor in the month of September. (laughs) I'm a champion with a mustache. I love it. She is uh, the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream and a multiple-time WNBA champion. She is also the co-host of the Take Line podcast. Renee Montgomery, how are you? Jason, it's a good day to have a good day, my friend. Let's get it, baby. Let's go. Let's go. And he is also a producer on this podcast. He is a stand-up. See his stand-up on All Caps NBA's YouTube channel. (laughs) I watched it. It was great. Zuri, how are you? Uh, I feel less ready than my competitors here, but uh, we'll see what happens. Let's get it going. Let's get it popping. Let's get it started. As you all know, the rules are as follows. Three rounds, three prompts. Everyone on this Zoom will vote on the strongest takes. The weakest take will then be eliminated. We go to the finals where we vote on the strongest take and crown our winner. Are you ready? Let's get it. Woo. Round one. (laughs) First prompt. Who should Jake Paul fight next? Who should Jake Paul fight next? Caroline, I will start with you. Who should Jake Paul fight next? 
Jake Paul should fight Ben Shapiro. Ooh. That <laughs> little <laughs> fuck. I hate Ben Shapiro so much. Honestly, I would be wholeheartedly rooting for Jake Paul. Like, I would be wearing a Jake Paul jersey. I would paint my face. I'd be so into it. Ben Shapiro is an especially insidious piece of shit because he'll try to coat and hide his bigotry behind his, like, education and, like, reasonable sounding <laughs> demeanor. And then people like Bill Maher give him a bigger platform. I hate this guy so much. I would love nothing more than to watch his stupid little, well, actually, <laughs> grin face be punched <laughs> off his We're face. Fighting. Respectfully, no violence. Hashtag peace. <laughs> today, uh, today I'm boxing uh, Jake Paul. Paul, uh, we'll see if he's man enough to show up in the podcast studio today. Uh, Jason Gallagher, who should Jake Paul fight next? I think the obvious answer is Tim Tebow, uh, and here's why: you've got <laughs> two a great idea. You've got two people entering uh, realms that they are not familiar with, that they don't really belong in. You also Tebow's have never uh, done that before. Never. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're basically two sides of the same coin. Plus, you have the religious thing. You can really, like, deck out the ring, put some fire on the outside. Little yeah. angel demon type vibe. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's the vibe. And it doesn't involve you having to wear freaking Jake Paul jersey like Caroline. So there you go. <laughs> Renee, who should Jake Paul fight next? Come on. I know we all want to see this. A lot of people don't even know the difference. So Jake Paul against Logan Paul. The fans will Whoa! win. One of, them, one of them has to lose. So that means that we win. And in that same breath, we want to see the brothers. They're all like, yeah, he got hit. And I know he was hazy, but that's my guy. No, I want to see y'all go against each other. Somebody has to win in the Battle of the Brothers. I know that they fought at the house. I fought my sisters growing up. So now it could be the fight to see who's the true champion in the household, the Paul brothers. Come on. You would pay to see that. I already know. Paul v. Paul, the battle of the century. Zuri Irvin, who should Jake Paul fight? Well, um, I was going to say Logan Paul, and I'll just read my bullet points here. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> One, I don't want to fight my brother. I want to see two brothers fight. Two, no, ma- no matter who loses, we all win. These are the same points Renee made, but I'll add one more. Uh, Logan Paul never got full retribution for what he did in Japan, so this could be a, a nation-building thing. This can be uh, something we can all get behind. And um, let's just let's just give him what he deserves um, for years past. Um, yeah, Logan Paul, Jake Paul. I love it the first time. I love it the second time. Let's go to the voting, folks. Let's go to the voting. As you know, everybody who is on this Zoom today, our engineer Sarah will be voting. Many other people will be voting on this today. Who will be ejected from the island in this first round? Will it be Caroline, who says Ben Shapiro, uh, five foot five of dog shit? stacked up high would would we like to see him against Jake Paul I think we understand yes. that that uh, that fight would last approximately 15 seconds and Ben Shapiro be sent flying out of the ring on a on a very very tiny 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 stretcher uh, Jason Gallagher <laughs> says Tim Tebow you'd like to see Tim Tebow step into the ring for once listen uh, Tim has been uh, fighting the forces of evil uh, for his entire career. Why not do it one more time in the ring against Jake Paul? Renee says, am I my brother's beater? Yes. <laughs> Logan Paul versus Jake Paul. Let's get it popping. Let's uh, weight classes, height, reach. Who cares? Let's get it going and see who is the strongest Paul brother. And then we can continue with the fights from there. Zuri Everett says, uh, essentially, 
exactly the same thing. Uh, <laughs> two brothers would add, and this is a very strong point, never forget what happened in Japan where uh, Logan Paul made light of suicide uh, with a visit to the suicide forest uh, in what was a, a tasteless, troubling, and offensive display uh, that he has uh, never gotten his comeuppance for. Just add that to the list of the, of the many things uh, that Paul Brothers have never gotten their comeuppance for. Uh, votes are coming in now. I'm getting my texts uh, from our producer, Carlton Gillespie. We have first vote. One vote for Zuri. We have one vote for Jason Gallagher. That is one vote for Zuri, one vote for Jason Gallagher. We have one more vote for Zuri. It is 2-1. Two one, Zuri. Can we save the time? One I know Jason how this Gallagher. <laughs> one more vote for Jason Gallagher. It is two two, folks. What? In a shock oh, tied wow. neck and neck horse race coming down the lane, and here is the final vote. And our first ejectee from the island for Zuri. Zuri, Aww. I'm sorry to see you go, Zuri. Uh, what do you have to say? I just wish um, I could have went before Renee. Or if I just did more credit, <laughs> um, I blame I blame myself for not for not coming up with another answer. But this is reality. This is how it works. And uh, the show, you know, we're giving it to you live. So uh, I'll just excuse myself. Uh, wow. Just excuse myself. On to round two. I want to shout out the bass drum uh, from the Take Survivor music that I heard for absolutely one beat just now of the bass drum. It, it's there. Shout it's that the tone. Shout the tone. Once. to the bass drum. Next prompt. What's the best viral challenge of all time? Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of days, we saw the absolutely epic displays of people climbing up stairs made of milk crates shouts to the the various dairy deliveries services around the country who are like where the fuck are all the milk crates um (laughs) shouts also to the orthopedists who uh, no doubt saw a litany (laughs) of patients with various back injuries after they fell off the top of the crates what is the best viral challenge of all time let's start with renee oh first up let's get it popping it's the fact <laughs> check challenge do y'all remember when everyone was fact checking everything that our former mm. president would say mm. and it became a thing and it became like wow you have to actually tell the truth it was like this phenomenon that only happened for a little <laughs> bit of time they were challenging everything politicians said there had to be truth behind it and i thought what a concept I would love to bring that back. I would love it for it to just stay, but I know that that's asking a lot. So I would like to bring back the fact check challenge where if you say anything anywhere, people can actually Google it or research it and see if it's true. I know that's a crazy concept, guys, but I would like to just see, could we get back there? Is it possible? I love it. Brought to you by Snopes. JG, (laughs) what's the best viral challenge? Uh, I'm going to take it old school and bring it back to the Bloody Mary challenge. You guys remember that? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. I love it. We're I will talking, never do it. I, uh, we're talking oh. pre-internet. 
Going viral pre-internet is a hard thing to do, folks. This is all word of mouth. You go into a bathroom. Mm. There's various ways to do it. You count to 10. You say Bloody Mary over and over again. And then you see either uh, herself, Mary, or a skull or the Grim Reaper. And you tell your friends. And then you see if they're too chicken to do it. It's wonderful. It's harmless. And I'll never forget it because I definitely saw a face. I know I did. <laughs> is it harmless? Okay. <laughs> okay. Is it harmless? Saying, just saying. You want this back? <laughs> I well, I'm just saying it's the best one. It's just the best one. I think. I love. Brought to you by one. Candyman in theaters now. Caroline, what's the best viral challenge? The Tide Pod challenge. Look, <laughs> I'm a firm believer in Darwin's evolutionary theory of survival of the fittest, and this was that. You know, there are too many people in this world, and the Tide Pod Challenge was a gift to humanity. It said, hey, this guy's a fucking moron. Don't date him. It was great. You could just weed people out immediately. The Tide Pod Challenge brought me peace. Thank you. Uh, Tide Pods, they were absolutely (laughs) delicious. Let's go to the voting. Let's go to the voting, folks. Who will it be in this second round? It's some really, really fantastic answers. Will it be Renee? The way Caroline ends her takes is hilarious. It's always like, thank you, or that's all. I Especially die. because like, all of them are so violent right now. They're like, I want somebody to harm them. I know. Them, I'm harmed. actually really worried like, that I'm going to get canceled. It's like it's like Leslie Nope telling <laughs> oh people gosh. to poison themselves. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, so who will it be? Who will thank it be as we you. go to the voting? <laughs> Let's go to the voting. Will it be nice as the fact check challenge? Remember when that happened? Remember when people were fact checking our former president? I think he just basically exhausted everyone until they they <laughs> were grounded submission by the tsunami of lies. Will it be Jason Gallagher who says, remember the Bloody Mary challenge where we were kids and you go into a into a dark bathroom and you say Bloody Mary? Uh, into the mirror and see what happened. I never said it once. I'm just not willing to uh, to test that. Me neither. Cowards. Yeah. Will it be Caroline who says the Tide Pod Challenge, folks? Some people are too dumb to live. And among those <laughs> folks are the people who would eat Tide Pods because I don't know why. Why did people do that? I, I, it was a joke and then some people believed it. I, I think it was. Votes are coming in now, folks. Can't wait to see. Uh, what happens here? This was a very, very competitive uh, round. Very exciting. One vote, and our first vote for Renee. <clears throat> One vote for pre-internet sensation Bloody Mary and Jason Gallagher. We have one vote for Jason Gallagher. One vote for Caroline and the Tide Pod Challenge. We are all tied up, folks. Whew. Wow. Three votes. One for each remaining contestant and we have two votes just come in and these two votes are the deciding votes for our second ejectee from the island Renee Montgomery Renee what do you have to say whoa Whoa. is it my time to talk about being a loser (laughs) yes You, you can talk about anything you want to well, you know, I wasn't the most confident in this take, I will say. And then even as I was voting people Excuses. off, I thought that I needed to be the one. So I literally asked Carlton. I had a struggle with the voting process. So this is where I leave you. Wow. Wow. This is uh, Uncharted I can Waters. See- 
uncharted waters for our contestants. I can actually see the beads of sweat on Caroline Reston Reston's <laughs> forehead. Oh, she's not. Like, <laughs> not prepared to go to this last round. Same, ben same. Simmons at the I, line same. in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. I never prep for the final because I never make it this wow. far. Now, here we go. Our Ooh, final fuck. round. Just to remind everybody, we will be voting for the winner in this final round. And the prompt is this. What would your pitch be for non-explicit content to OnlyFans? Now, just as a refresher for everyone, OnlyFans recently made a decision to stop platforming explicit content. One might ask, well, well, what the hell would they do? Wasn't that what the whole platform was about? The answer is yes. Uh, They have since reversed that decision. Uh, So let's pretend that that never, that reversal never happened. What would your pitch be for OnlyFans to then (laughs) be a platform for? Caroline, let's start with you. What's OnlyFans' uh, new business model? Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Okay, so I actually don't want to revolutionize OnlyFans. I actually want to kick off anyone not giving us explicit content. Keep OnlyFans OG. OnlyFans would be literally nothing without the sex workers who helped build up that platform. And this like constant threat of some random celebrity coming on OnlyFans to make an easy buck and like taking away this safe space for sex workers is some real horseshit. Keep OnlyFans OG. It's a sincere one for me today. Keep it sexy, says Caroline. Jason Gallagher? Yep. What's your pitch for non-explicit content for OnlyFans? Um, uh, okay. Okay. You, you type it I in. www.onlyfish.com. Okay. People get to put their fish on and their favorite types of fish. And it's very, very <laughs> peaceful. When my wife gave birth, there was a bunch of uh, fish videos all around because it's a very peaceful environment. And so if you go to OnlyFish.com, it's a place to sort of zen out. It's a little bit like Headspace meets OnlyFans. And you can subscribe to that. Fish? So OnlyFish, OnlyFish.com. Yes, I'm, I'm, at least I'm attempting an answer and not being like, nah, just give me the porn. You know what I mean? Only fish. Can I just ask? Oh. So was, was it like on TV screens? They were just like it was like an aquarium, like a like a video aquarium. Yeah. Well, they they move very slowly in the water. Your thirty like seconds is nice. up, Gallagher. Okay. Wow. What am I supposed to do with this? He it's getting the rules as our two contestants up. fight over Uh-oh. every inch of this Uh-oh. final round and takes forever. Let's go to Uh-oh. the voting. And, and one more reminder, we are voting for the winner. We are voting for the winner. We are voting for the winner here. Will it be Caroline Reston? Reston Sex, who says, keep it <laughs> triple X on Please. OnlyFans. <laughs> Support sex. our sex workers. Don't, Please don't make that a thing. I'm not going to pitch the non-explicit content. I want to see the sex Keep it going. Or will it be Jason Gallagher <laughs> who says, keep it fish. Onlyfish.com. Only you go in and you just want to, you were thinking, you know what? Uh, it's been a stressful day. It's been a stressful week. Uh, I need to to uh, relax. I need to blow off steam. And instead of uh, viewing some sexual content, that will be through just looking at fish. Looking Might be at sexual different to kinds some people. Fish, as the, it might be to the <laughs> dolphin people who are attracted to dolphins. <laughs> Uh, votes are coming in now. Who will it be? Will it be Jason Only Fish Gallagher or will it be Caroline Triple X Reston? Here come the votes. This is going to be a fascinating one, folks. 
um, kind of a philosophical battle and a battle between two people who have never been in the fight. This is our this is our Bucks sons. Of course, the Bucks and sons have been to the finals before, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm and the folks. Bucks. It is it is a blowout for our winner. Jason Gallagher. Jason, oh, what? what do you have to say? Let's go, let's go! Wait, no, sorry, wait, hold on. Sorry. I forgot. I, I didn't listen to my own rule. Sorry. It is a, it is every vote for Caroline. Sorry. I think it was... This was our Moonlight. This was our Academy Awards Moonlight moment. Caroline, what do you have to say? I'm Moonlight. If anything, I'm the most La La Land person <laughs> fucking ever. Um, okay, Galler, you're not going to be here for my acceptance speech. I'm here. I'm here. Fucking Carlton. I, 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 um, this is so exciting. And thank you to all the people who voted. And I'm so happy that violence won this time. So violence and sex. Sex and, sex and violence. Let that be a lesson like to all the kids out there. I don't <laughs> like where this is going, but yes, Caroline! Winning formula. Thank you, everybody, and see you next time from the Take Survivor Island. Goodbye, that is it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out, folks. See you next week. Let's go! Take Line is a crooked media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez.